Well, hey, and welcome to another episode of the Becoming Better podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and we're so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss faith and deeds and how they aren't a dichotomy. And we also talk about how to take your first steps if you don't yet see good works in your life as a result of your faith in Jesus. In this episode, we also discuss a little bit about the Quad City app and how it really is the primary driver as to how to take the next right step in your faith. Again, it's not the end-all be-all of your faith, but it is an intelligent app that helps you do the next right thing, and I think that's something we could all use. So be sure, if you don't yet have that app downloaded, to go to your app store on your mobile device and type in Quad City Christian Church. It'll be really easy to find and get logged into there. If you have any questions, please reach out to us via the website. And as always, if you've not yet listened to the message from this past Sunday, go ahead and pause this episode now. Go listen to that on this same podcast channel and then come and continue on in this podcast as as that message is going to help this conversation make much more sense to you. Well, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey guys, good morning. Happy Monday. Hey everybody. You guys get some good sleep after the game last night? Yeah. It was late that, not, uh, you know, overtime thing. I was, I told Porter, okay, you can stay up until the end of the fourth quarter. Thinking like, yeah, we can watch the game, special night sort of thing. Uh, and then I realized what was going to happen. You know, Mahomes gets the ball 90 seconds left or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I was going to overtime. <laughs> like for sure going to overtime. <laughs> Uh, so then the game ended and I was like, hey, dude, you're going to sleep. Like, I'll tell you about it in the morning. And he woke up and was pumped. But uh, yeah, it was late night. <laughs> We're saying this in Arizona. That's Imagine true. the oh, East Coast people. This man. is what we used to have. This, this is why all of the people, <sighs> there's, there's always been this push for, let's just make the day after the Super Bowl a national holiday yeah. where you don't have to go to. Cincinnati did that. Did they? After they played a couple years ago and they played, uh, who did they? The Rams. Yeah. The day after in the city of Cincinnati, all school was canceled. Yeah. Oh, that's they cool. went in knowing that because, yes, to your point, it. Yeah, you're ain't on nobody that e- getting up. You're on that East Coast time. Yeah. And they were hoping for a win. Yeah, they were. Oh, they didn't get that. But then it was like a national day of grieving. Yeah. <laughs> More than anything. We call that like opening day for the Reds. That's what we yeah. call that. That's, we already have that. Yeah. <laughs> we already we already have one of those days in Cincinnati. It's opening which uh, the Reds, got follow them on social media, um, game ends. They drop a thing. It's now it's our time. That's awesome. Like just timing it, just because it's you know. I, I was telling Judah this morning. Um, I was like, "Oh, buddy, like we're gonna have a lot of basketball conversation now. Now that yeah. football is kind of over with, they really move into it's All Star break this weekend for NBA, yep. and then really basketball after you know uh, post All Star break. Yeah, it's is really the good. Fun. Basketball. It's fun mm-hmm. basketball though. Saturday, you know, I had a few people over for Saturday's Suns Warriors game. That was a great game. Yeah. I mean, offensive that. offense in the first half of the game was not awesome, but I mean. Fun to watch a basketball game. Yeah. So, yeah. Just speaking of up late, I woke Judah up to watch the end of that game. Nice. I was like, or he was already up, but I was like, all right, you can stay up. It's really close, you know. And those are like really fun moments. 
that you yeah. get to do with your kids. Our podcast people are just like dying right now because they hate it when we talk about sports. Well, we haven't talked about sports in a year though. So yeah. I feel like we get a once a year. <laughs> Dude, and the, the first Bowl. one that was the first podcast we ever did. And I remember thinking, oh, we can't talk about sports anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, but, so for people, not everybody does the Super Bowl for uh, the football. Football, they do it for all the other things. So yeah. the commercials. So what would you think? What were the ones you enjoyed? Look, I didn't have a big rooting interest in the game, so I half paid attention. If I'm really being honest, yeah, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to Fair the enough. game this year. Because, but my wife, this is the funny thing, like she's squealing, screaming, yelling angrily in the first half, and then every time there was a fumble, and then literally as Mahomes is driving at the end, she's a Kansas City fan. For those of you who don't know, she went to high school in Kansas. So her parents still live in Wichita. She ended up going to high school in um, Emporia. And so, yeah, so she's a Kansas City fan. She went to, you know, Kansas City Royals games with the youth group back in the day, Mm. that kind of stuff. And so she's all in on Kansas City. Mm. So I just had to listen to her just get all excited and, yeah, she's a big fanboy of of Patrick Mahomes. Hard not to be. Rightfully right. so. It's pretty, right? it's pretty good. It. Yeah, I have a likable buddy, guy. I have a buddy who's a Texas Tech fan. Uh, and so we watched a ton of Mahomes when I lived in Louisiana. And he was just incredible. Like, you know, they were scoring 70 points. They may give up <laughs> 77, but yeah. it was just always fun to watch. And so I always, I was actually texting him this morning. We were just talking about, and he threw it in. He goes, wreck him. Because that's, you know, the Texas yeah. Tech saying. I was yeah. like, of course you did. <laughs> but I was like, I remember watching this guy. No one would have thought like, oh, he'd be this, yeah. this good, this fast. Yeah. It's, it is crazy. It is really cool. You know, the thing that's fun is I'm not a big football guy. I don't watch much football at all. But um, talking about, like, the sports dynasty thing is really fun. Like, there are uh, historic seasons for franchises, and it feels like, you know, post-Brady coming into having another guy that's like that or has the potential to be like that, Mm -hmm. I just think is really fun. We haven't really, I mean, like, in the NBA, I'm more of a basketball guy. Um, Like, you've got the LeBron era. You've got what... Um, Steph, Clay, and Draymond have been able to do and uh, with the help of Katie, obviously, in, oh, <laughs> in Golden State. We can't get into this. It's been really, really good. But there's not been anything that's quite Brady level in almost any other sport in a really long time. Oh, so it's. It, I hope that it that continues. That was intentional. It was intentional. Oh. Uh, I hope it continues. <laughs> oh, I, wasn't, I don't because I cannot stand the Chiefs oh, being a Raiders fan, but it's fine. Uh, so what was your favorite commercial? So we were talking about this the other day. I was watch- I watched the Grammys this year, which I've never done in my life. What? Never watched the Grammys. Courtney and I just popped on, and it- we just happened to be hanging out at home. I haven't been doing much lately. I don't know if you guys know that <laughs> about my life. <laughs> dying. I've been so jumping jacks. Oh man, I did. Well, I took five running steps yesterday because I've been doing a walk loop around around my neighborhood, and I took five running steps, and it hurt a lot. But I was like, oh, we're back. Feels good. <laughs> <laughs> This porter was scooting on I did five scooter. running steps too, and it hurt. I get yeah. it. I feel, yeah. I feel it too. Yeah, it might be a different pain. <laughs> uh, so I was watching the Grammys, and there were a couple, actually, there were a couple of really cool Grammy moments Josh and I were talking about the other day. Uh, one of them, though, it was the first time I saw any of, which apparently these have been around for a little while, any of the He Gets Us commercials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the, 
Um, you know, I looked into it a little bit. No one really knows who's behind it. It's a lot of anonymous donors and that sort of thing. Uh, but they had two, I think, during the Super Bowl, the, the washing yep. the feet one, which I yep. thought was just really neat. You know, yeah. it's a. It reminded me actually of um, uh, Jason. One of kind of your <laughs> one of your um, often done in sermon things, which is like just make a list and hope that you hit a big group of people, yes. right? And in your lists that you create, it's like how can I try to. Uh, get everyone on board, try to get as many people in the room on board with what I'm trying to explain. And that's kind of what they did in that they Washington really commercial. Because yep. it's like all these diverse groups mm-hmm. of people that m- most of us would consider like enemies, right? Yep. Washing each other's feet. And I just thought that, I thought it was really neat. Um, so, you know, Josh and I were talking about it after the Grammys, maybe on Saturday we talked about it. And then to see another one of those commercials, I was like, oh, that's really, really cool. I know there's all sorts of people saying all sorts of stuff about the whole campaign and how much money they're spending. Uh, but I just think it's neat, right, that um, it's at least a hopeful conversation starter for a lot of people, whether it was during the game or today, Josh, to your point, around the water cooler today yeah. at work and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm just hoping, you know, I think it's a cool thing to see publicly and uh, something that we can celebrate and be on board with and, and think is a good thing. Generally. So I know when they call or when you email or when you go to the website i want to say they have local churches they refer you to if i'm not mistaken and i know this because i think our buddy chris and flagstaff his church is one of them oh funny which makes sense he's a college town yeah you know like our context is so weird people may not be you know the people in our context and prescott are you know, pretty religiously conservative. But a lot of these towns, you know, Flagstaff is not the case right. at all. Right. So I think that's how it works. Like you email in and then they really try to connect you with a local church close to you so that you can have a conversation with a pastor. I think that's the desire of what these things are, if I remember correctly. I Don't quote me on, but I feel like the first time I saw one, that's what somebody t- had told me, that that was what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, that's really cool. I remember scrolling through the uh, website, and it's cool because it's, I mean, it's one of those websites. Visually appealing. It's, it is visually yeah. appealing, but it's one of those websites that never ends the more you scroll, which is perfect for people that are just jumping on trying to figure out what it is. Oh, yeah. That's so it just, point. it goes like, you know, biblical conviction after biblical conviction just in forever. Like, feels like in fit. Like, I scrolled for like 15 minutes just trying to read and figure out. Interesting. Because when I saw the first one, I was like, wait, who's behind this? Yeah. Who's, who's doing this? Mm-hmm. Is this a LDS thing? Is this like, what's the agenda? Agenda, uh, and it took a while, but just realizing, like, oh yeah, this is all pretty good stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, it seems really neat. My favorite commercial was not—I mean, I love the he gets us. Mine was the Dunkin' Donuts one. Mm. I thought that was really well done. My favorite part was the end was Matt Damon going, "I told you I'd do anything. This is ever, anything. This is anything." Like he is like <laughs> in the corner, got the like the pink glasses. Tom Brady's in there. It, it is just the, so ridiculous. The funny Goodwill Hunting yes. quote in it. Yes. Yeah, it was. It, 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 was, it was. It was. You like, just gotta recognize that all of these are Bostonians, right? Yeah, these yeah. these are their people. Oh yeah. And I, Dunkin' Donuts is. I think it started there, right? I don't know, but it's a huge thing. It I is. watch. Um, I know this will surprise you. I will watch um, this old house, uh, and they are from Boston, and they got the accents, and they all have their little Dunkin' Donuts cups. I think it started in the Northeast. 
if it didn't start there, I feel like probably a good portion of their stock is up there. Because, sure. yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like a thing. I mean, the, in like the South, the joke is that the hood runs on Duncan. Like, they're all over, like, in yeah. black man. Like, they're everywhere. Like, you can't. Florida, when we went to Florida to rescue David, pull him out of that wretched <laughs> state. <laughs> Stop. They're on every corner. They are on every corner. Yeah, they are all over. That's how it was. We went once. Because we I was like, oh, I just need a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. We went to it. Because, man, that was a heck of a trip. I, it was. I told someone the story of that trip the oh, other day. The fire and, thing? Uh, I, that was what it, is that? Maybe yeah. that was on Saturday. I told that part of the story where it was like, gosh, we got to the hotel at like 2 o'clock in the morning. This football team pulled the fire alarm. I get woken up at 2.45. We go outside, the whole thing. Uh, and it was terrible. But any, I mean, I remember going to a Dunkin' Donuts yep. in DeLand, Florida. I think two. Actually, went like in the morning, got some, and then went again in the afternoon. It was wild. We I wouldn't went, be surprised. Went a couple Because they're everywhere. That's just what you, that's what you do. Again, the hood runs on Dunkin'. And they're always open, it feels like. Yep. But that was a good commercial. For sure. It was. It was a great commercial. Yeah. So, other than that, I, I don't really remember the rest of them, but I thought that was like, oh, that's the winner. Yeah. There you go. And I like that one. Someone told me, uh, yeah, our friend John, who I think listens to the podcast, uh, told me they brought back the Clydesdales this I did year. see those. I didn't see that one. I, it was late. Okay. They were like an aerial shot of them going through the snow. It was like nostalgic. Interesting. Yeah. And then the halftime show was really nostalgic for me. So, really, it hit like, me in my 20s, I was like, <laughs> man, really early too. It had the early Usher songs, okay. had Jermaine Dupree. Oh man, Luda. I was like, Alicia Keys, too. Oh, Alicia dude, Keys. it was yeah. little John. I mean, it was, oh my goodness, ludicrous. They, they, yeah. they were roller skating. They yeah, were, I did man. not see Usher on roller skate. I told my wife, I'm like, who had on their bingo card Usher on roller skates? Like he who, was good, dude. and I think he's from Vegas. If I oh, remember correct, I I want to say Usher's from Vegas, but uh, it was it was like, oh, this is for me. This is not for young people. That was like last and this year's is too. Not right? for older. Do you want to know who it's not for? My mother. No, she's Usher. She's sitting there, and we're watching, and she's like. I can't even understand what he's saying. Yeah. I don't know what's going oh, on. This was for it was, and then she realized what the rest of us feel like. <laughs> we grew up, and in, I just laughed. I'm we like, grew up in the in the early 2000s, late 90s high school. Those of you who are my podcast listeners, you felt seen. Well, because that, I mean, last year it was like 50 Cent was the same thing. Right? Or was that two years ago? Oh, that was Dre, Snoop, Eminem, all yeah. those. Yeah, two years two ago. Two years ago, it was very similar. But that was a huge hit. I yeah, last year was Pregnant Rihanna. Ah, I missed that one. And she wasn't like the game. She wasn't terrible, but but yeah, Usher. It was like, oh yeah, he's on he's on roller skates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fewer. Ju- ju- nobody knew. I guarantee nobody knew Jermaine Dupri because I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> Jermaine Dupri is in there. Then he had on like the suit with the, the shorts. shorts. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, the yeah. very Jermaine Dupri. That yeah. feels right. And oh. then Usher took his shirt off, and I'm like, oh yeah, now we're now we're getting somewhere. Now it's a Time party. to fast forward. <laughs> Here we go. Now it's a party. I don't know. I was like, man, don't do that. Making all of us feel bad about. He had the Michael Jackson glove on the whole time. I was yeah. like, I think you could take that off. It's fine. <laughs> Not necessary. But. All right, well, we probably... Uh, we've already just destroyed our listeners yeah. today. Uh, yeah. They'll be fine. Yeah, I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once a year. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, let's d- uh, dive in. I thought that the uh, He Gets Us was going to be our segue, and then we went real, Sorry. real we, weird we rabbit trail there for a second. Sorry. We, uh, 
Okay, so um, Jason, we were uh, you were back up there this past Sunday. We were in uh, James chapter two, fourteen through twenty six, um, talking about faith and deeds. Yeah, um, and I think James does as good a job as anywhere in Scripture helping us um, understand the relationship between these two things. That yeah. it's not a dichotomy; it's not a one or the other. It is a both and. And um, I think you did a great job helping our people feel that uh, in a real tangible way and, and try to understand it. I liked your qualifier. Um, I think it probably saved us a lot of emails this morning. <laughs> what I, we, here's what we're not saying, right? which was helpful. So. And you said it three different ways. I tried. Yeah, I wanted to make sure yeah. that people understood. That's yeah. really good. Uh, what for you guys, as you were sitting there listening, what were you wrestling with? Well, I'll just, again, this is the whole... The, the best summary that we have in the book of James of why we got to the name beyond belief. Like mm-hmm. there has to be this place where saying that you believe a thing isn't enough. And James makes it so clear. I mean, he is so emphatic. Look, demons believe like this is not, that's not the thing. Does it change your life? And so I just wanted our people to be able to walk out with as clear as anything that we can say, hey, we have to get beyond just saying, I believe in God. And not just for us. There has to be this place where we begin to look at the people that we love around us Hmm. and we just take it at face value. Well, they say they believe. They believe in Jesus. Okay, great. Are they following Jesus? That's the real question. Does their li- is their life been transformed? So that was the big push for this weekend. So hopefully you guys made that connection. This is why we named the series Beyond Belief. My wonder was when you, you talked about the two different boxes people check, do we just check the faith box or do we check just the deeds box? And you made a comment about um, uh, the deeds one that would be a lot of what um, our country is. And I wondered if it's, I, so I started thinking, there, there's a lot of people who just check the I believe box. I yeah, was trying to figure sure. out which one is probably more common. Um, and is it a blend of kind of both? Hey, I'm a really good person. And yeah, I kind of believe in God. Yeah, yeah The faith is unique because you defined it by I believe the Orthodox, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that yes. definitely changes it. Yeah. But I started thinking about just the culture in which we now live in. Um, and I was just like, man, I wonder which one it is. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there would be a lot of people that would say, I believe there's possibly something out there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. not quite what we're talking about with right. the definition of the word faith. Right. But, right. Um, I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to your point, there is also the piece of, which we've talked a bunch about, um, the you know, last 50-year trend in the uh, American church of easy believism. All you have to do is just raise your hand and say, I believe, and hey, we're good now. You made that decision that one time. That's very right. um, And and we're good. And I think that's even sometimes more so one of the things we need to push back against within the church, Um, which is why I love, you know, from both sides. I think the the text that we were in is as helpful to both of the groups, right? And it's this awesome um, picture that really it is, uh, activate a lot of the language that we use kind of internally here is activating your faith. Like, okay, so you you say you believe, you maybe have a good orthodox theology, but then how do we actually activate that faith in a way that it it proves to us that it it is out of an overflow of that faith that we are um, actually doing something with it and and believing. 
through action. So, hmm. um, no, I, I was thinking the same uh, same thing as far as that stuff goes. One question that came up a number of times, Jason, is, okay, so you say you've got to have faith and works. <laughs> so what about the thief on the cross? Yeah, I got at least four conversations around this. And if we want to parse it out, the bigger question that I think people were having, and you know, I would drill down on this with people, is, hey, what about those deathbed conversions? Like you have that person and they, they've lived their whole life, but then they come to faith in the last hour. Are you saying that they can't be saved? And the answer to that is absolutely not. God can save whomever he wants. And when you specifically think about the thief on the cross, and can I just push pause? Here's a sidebar. <laughs> we say thief on the cross. He wasn't a thief. He right. probably he wasn't stealing bread from the local, the, the, what got you crucified in the Roman Empire was you were part of an, uh, some kind of rebellion or insurrection against the government. It was a capital crime. Like stealing bread wasn't a capital crime. So this guy was they a just bad, cut your hand off. Yeah, they were a. He was a bad dude. He was a terrible person who had somehow crossed the government and they publicly executed him for it. So bad dude. That being said people are concerned with, okay, he didn't have a chance to go do anything. He was nailed to a cross. And I said, that's right. You're 100% right. But what did he do that made it to, made it clear that he had faith in Jesus? There, there had to be an act. He didn't just sit there silently and believe something. And so to the best of his ability, he put his faith into action and he did two things. One, there was a, a plea to Jesus, hey, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So that was, that was a moment of almost of repentance, of saying, look, I, I want to align my life with you. And his confession and acknowledgement of who Jesus That's is. That's right. And then the second part of it was he begins to talk to the guy on the other cross who is bad-mouthing Jesus, saying, hey, won't you get us all off of here? If you're somebody, then do something to save all of us. And, and the good thief says to the other one, hey, look, we're here because of what we've done. Like, we deserve this. This guy's done nothing wrong. Like, and so, so in that moment, he did put actions. He did put deeds to his faith to the degree that he was able to. And so I don't think it is a picture of someone who didn't have action. I don't think it's a picture of somebody who didn't do something because of what he believed about who Jesus was. Because he believed something about who Jesus was, he asked Jesus for forgiveness. He, I'm sorry, he asked Jesus for an opportunity to be a part of his kingdom. He put faith in that Jesus could give him a place in his kingdom. He believed that about Jesus, so he asked him for it. And then he rebukes the other guy on the other side. So um, so the, the quick answer is, he did everything that he could to put his faith into action in the environment that he could. So that being said, deathbed conversions can still happen. And But the expectation is, to the best of their ability, there would need to be some sort of outward action, outward fruit that reflects the heart that comes to believe. And so I think that's 
Yeah. Probably where I'd land that. And yesterday, I mean, just to contextualize it, we weren't in a hospital room speaking to someone on their deathbed. And that was exactly what I said to these four people. I said, that's great. Yes, God can do that. That's not your story. We're in a church building, listening to a sermon, trying to figure out how to apply it to our lives and what our lives should look like as a result of our faith. That's right. And it's even deeper. It's the personal level because the grandparent or the parent or the brother or the sister, there's somebody in their family, close friend who has done this. And we wonder, yeah, are they in? Yeah. Which to our point is what we always say is, man, I don't, God can save whoever he wants. What we try to talk about here at Quad City is being a disciple. That's right. Yeah. And disciples do what their teachers tell them to do. That's the very definition of a disciple. And so uh, we try to stay out of, I'm not. The, I'm not God. He can save however He chooses to save. And to your point, I think you talked about this in Romans. Man, banking on that deathbed conversion is dangerous. 100%. It is. And I, I have people. We all know people who instantly go. You know, I just hit by using a truck. Brent, yeah, Brendan. Right. Any other. Any other way he falls could have yeah. been oh, game yeah, yeah. over. And if he Inches was away, right? If he was banking on well, when I get to the end. Then I'll, then I will finally believe and I'll surrender, you know. And so it, it tells me the heart leading up to that is just not what God requires of that heart. Yeah. And even if you have the time, here's the here's the part that's so dangerous. Our hearts get hard every time we have mm-hmm. a chance to come to a place of repentance and hear the gospel. Every time we reject it, it hardens our heart. We do not leave those environments unchanged. Mm-hmm. We're either going to be softer to the gospel <laughs> or we're going to be harder to the gospel. And we all learned early in our education that a body in motion tends to stay in motion. And if you're walking down with the momentum of your life moving you away from God, the further you go away with the more momentum you have, just to think that there's going to be a day when you're 74 Hmm. that you're just going to turn and stop from that momentum and start running back toward God, it just doesn't happen that way. It just doesn't. And I wish it did, but that's just typically not the story. We begin to harden our hearts to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Psalm 95 talks about that. Uh, I think it's Hebrews that quotes it. Do not harden your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. And we, when we reject the gospel over and over and over again, um, it's setting us up not to accept it later, but to reject it even more later. Yeah, that's really good. Yep. So I wonder for a second if we try to put, um, just uh, get application heavy. So we're sitting in the room, say, like, what, what would we say for the person who's sitting there thinking, hey, I believe, like I would say, I believe in God. I believe in the Orthodox theology of who Christ is, the deity of Christ, salvation through uh, his death, burial, resurrection, forgiveness of sins, all of that. I'm in, I maybe even have been baptized, but I'm sitting there and I look at my life and it doesn't look hardly any different than the day I was baptized. Hmm. What do we say to that person? Like, what's next? What do you go do next? Well, can I put a little bit of context? Because I actually had this conversation with someone who came up to me afterwards and he shared a very, the story that you just described was his story. He said, yeah. look, I, gave, I, I came to Jesus when I was young, and then in my 20s and 30s, 
I decided I just wanted to do what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to live how I wanted. And I still believed, and Jesus was still the Lord of my life, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I said, stop right there for just a second. I said, what you just said can't be true. Mm-hmm. I said, because what you just said was, Jesus was still the Lord of my life, but I was doing what I wanted to do. I said, those things can't be true. I said, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, then that means you're going to do what he says. You're going to submit to him. That's the very definition of lordship. The one who is the Lord is the one who's in control. So you're mm. you're claiming that Jesus is the Lord of your life while, while intentionally living in rebellion to Jesus' expectations for your life. So for that season, you can't, you can't say Jesus was the Lord of your life. You could say you believe in Jesus. You could say that Jesus is the son of God. You could say that Jesus died and rose from the dead. You can say all of that stuff, but you cannot say Jesus is the Lord of your life when you're living in direct opposition to what he's called you to. And I think that's where we get hung up is we have to get to the place where we say, I have the right belief but he is not my Lord. If I'm sitting there on Sunday and I'm living in rebellion to him, I can believe all the right things, but my life is not surrendered to him because I'm not obeying him. Yeah. That's the, the first step to that, to answer your question is, is to come to a place of repentance. Yep. Repentance is simply turning away from yourself as the Lord and putting Christ as the Lord. It is submission to him. And so the first step is, where is it in my life that the spirit is clearly showing me that I'm living in opposition to what the Lord has called me to? And then I repent. Mm -hmm. And we know, we were just talking about it before we turned the mics on. We know when I got to that place in the sermon, there were four people who got up and walked out of the room in that very moment. And one of them walked out in a huff, like they grabbed their stuff and stomped out and they wanted everybody to see that they weren't having this, that I need to change my life or do something or there's some kind of expectation now that my believing is not enough. Like they they made it very clear to everybody on their way out that this was not the sermon for them. Mm-hmm. And that's someone who's living in rebellion. And they can believe all the right things, but there's a there has to be a heart that says, I'm now going to surrender myself to him as Lord. I think of two things. One, uh, the Romans 10, 9 verse that a lot of people use. If you confess with your mouth uh, and believe in your heart, you will be saved. We forget that big statement of what you're confessing, that Jesus is Lord, Lord which is yeah. a direct opposition to Caesar is Lord. We right. talked about in Romans. Yeah. And that's the piece. So if I'm saying he is Lord, I'm doing what the emperor is telling me to do. To your point, I would be then surrendering my life. Um, and so um, even that, um, it's about believing and then confessing about doing something. The second thing I thought about was our Holy Spirit series. We talked about if I'm actually uh, having the Spirit of God in me and I'm following the Spirit of God, I'm probably doing things that very by nature I wouldn't be doing. And those things probably wouldn't be uh, easy. 
Like I would be living a life that if you looked back to go, oh yeah, that's not Josh. That's yeah. So if you're only doing things that you want to do, you're probably not actually surrendered fully. That would be a great limitless test that we talked about with the Holy Spirit. So the same thing is here. If I'm sitting in that room, I need to begin to probably put myself in environments where I'm actually not comfortable doing what I would want to do. Like yep. sitting and doing that, you know, again, there's some really easy low-hanging fruit of like jumping in and serving and doing those kinds of things, joining a group to have people hold me accountable and that kind of stuff. But it's that kind of conversation that I'm continually going, okay, Jesus is probably through the guiding of the Holy Spirit calling me to places that this is not normally where I'd want to go. I really want to look back over the past maybe 10 years to go, what have I been doing? Oh, I've been in really comfortable situations. I've yeah. been... You know, I've been on Sunday mornings, kind of wishy-washy. I come when I want to, and it's comfortable. You know, I'm travel sports may be a bigger deal for my family. You know, all of that kind of stuff. So it's beginning to go, how do I let go of my desires and begin to put into practice some of these things? To your point, Bible uh, reading is probably sporadic. So how do I know what to do anyways? Prayer and discipline. So it's how do I begin to do some of those things that I'm not currently doing? You know, that would be kind of the starting point. Like we talked about here in Prescott is, you know, our app is literally built for this to help people become a better disciple. There are some benchmarks that we say, if you were doing these things, your faith would begin to start growing. If I was giving and serving in a group, if I was sharing my story, sharing my story, if I was actually, you want to like, need the spirit, start talking to your friends about Jesus. Yeah. Like that's a really hard thing to do by yourself. And so you need the spirit of God to guide you and lead you. So again, I think it's it's to Jason's point is like, if you said he's Lord, then the spirit's telling you things. Are you actually obeying that? And if it's just comfortableness, probably not. If me and God are always on the same page with everything he's asking of me, then that may not be the, the spirit of the Lord that I'm hearing. That's 100% right. There is, though, something, Josh, you mentioned on two things really quick. So, Jason, I know you've got something. Um, the app is huge. I mean, uh, you know, you download the app. If you don't have it, Quad City, anywhere you get your apps, Quad City Christian Church. Uh, at the top of it, once you log in, you'll see these badges. And to Josh's point in Prescott, I don't know, I don't know what the host moment in PV was like, but... Uh, these are really good like steps, you know, first, yeah. first couple of steps. These aren't things that are going to achieve salvation. <laughs> like that's not, don't hear us say that, no. but they are like obedience, levels of obedience that we're called to biblically. Like these are things we really, really care yeah. about when it comes to our spiritual formation. It's things like serving and giving and being engaged in community and that sort of thing. Um, in addition to that though, Josh, you mentioned something about low hanging fruit. A lot of times people in this situation, we've all known people in this situation who live very comfortable lives and they do the things they want to do and they're not really engaged in anything that makes them uncomfortable. But so often, even in the lives of those people, they've got a soft heart for something. Mm. Like their heart is softened for a people group or a dynamic or a situation that they're in the back of their mind, they're always like, man, I wish I could help these people. Like so many of us have a bent towards uh, kids in foster and orphanage situations or these things that we see. And it's like, man, I wish I could do something about that. Now, many of us haven't actually activated that, what I believe is like a spirit-driven softness in our heart. But if anything, if you're not doing anything right now, like that's a great place to start and jump in. The thing you're already softened to, because it's going to feel fulfilling, right? And you're going to 
You're going to have to do hard things in the midst of that that situation for sure. But don't feel like you've got to go do something that you just couldn't even imagine like right off the bat. Yeah. Like, Go towards the thing that you're drawn to first. Serve in the place you feel God calling you to serve first. If it's being a high school small group leader because you had a hard time in high school and want to walk with, you know, those formative years with other students, like go do that first. And then again, as we get deeper into our spiritual formation, you can bet God's going to call you to some really, really uncomfortable things. Like that's going to happen, but that doesn't need to be the first thing. You don't need to go from off the couch to running a marathon. You can do the thing that you feel God already calling you to. Yeah. So, I was just reminded of, you know, again, back to the original question, which was, hey, what does the person on Sunday who heard this, what should, what should be the first step? And I was reminded of Proverbs 28, 13, which says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Like we we talk about the confession, but there's an added step here in Proverbs 28 where it says confesses and renounces them. That's the repentance part. That's the turning away. I'm I'm not just going to confess my sin, but I'm going to turn from it. I'm going to renounce it. I'm going to turn my back on it. I'm going to reject that um, because it doesn't align with what I say I believe. And so that would be a great first uh, step for anybody who walked out of there feeling convicted of, I, I recognize there's areas in my life where what I'm saying doesn't align with what I'm doing. Great. That is the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So confess it and renounce it and turn back to the Lord and begin putting into practice what you say you believe. That's really good. Let's um, let's uh, end with this. We got a comment from Luke, who's a regular listener of the podcast, just saying uh, that he's currently reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, and this uh, this excerpt from page sixty three stood out to him. Here's what it says uh, in relation to kind of this uh, faith and deeds topic. Uh, it says that is why the Christian is in a different position from other people who are trying to do good. They hope by being good to please God if there is one, or uh, if there is, uh, or if there is not, at least people hope uh, to desire approval from good men around them. But the Christian thinks any good he does comes from the Christ-like inside himself. He does not think God will love him because we are good, will love us because we are good, uh, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Just as the roof of a greenhouse does not attract sunlight uh, because it is bright, but becomes bright because the sun shines on it. Yeah, that's a great, you you probably have to go read it again because anything in mere Christianity is hard to understand because it was spoken, not written. But that's a whole other thing. It's, <laughs> but the point that C.S. Lewis is making there is exactly what we're the the point I was trying to make this week. Is it is not our good deeds. Our good deeds is not what brings us faith. It is our faith that brings about our good deeds. It is the work of God in us that shows through us. It is not what we're bringing to the table. It's what God's doing through us. And so, again, we just wanted to make sure that was so clear this past week. You're not saved by your works, but if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, if you have a faith that is real and alive and active, then it will show itself through the way that you're living your life. And so, that quote is very good, that it's 
It is not the greenhouse that's bringing about and making the thing bright. It's the sun that is using the greenhouse to create this environment for growth. And it is God in us by faith that is creating this transformation. It's not us doing it on our own. Yeah, the uh, but to use Stephen Covey's language, the deeds are the lag measure of the faith, which is the lead driver. Like yeah. It is the, yeah, so that's really Yeah, mere Christianity is all about C.S. Lewis talking to an entire group of people, trying to convince them that Christianity is the way. And, you know, he rebelled and had a friend, J.R. Tolkien, who talked to him over and over and over and over again about faith. And um, he lived the other side, do all the really good things, do all the really great yeah. things, but in the end found that it was worthless and it was, wasn't was worth pursuing. And so now he's, you know, was like, to your point, trying to preach to an audience over the radio to convince them that simple Christianity is actually the way. And his mm-hmm. idea is that there's this God who loves you. And when you place your faith in him, then you'll go do that to others. You'll show them what you believe. So again, it's a, it is really hard to read sometimes, but at the basis of it, it's just the guy who struggled with this same question of like, do I actually believe this? Yeah. And what happens if I do? That was his thing. It's like, oh, I have to surrender. And if you look at his life post, geez, all the things that he encountered and went through, um, you know, the death of it the wife and all of that stuff. It was just, I mean, terrible. And this guy writes these beautiful things and he puts words to, I think, faith for a lot of people. So if you've never read that book, it is a really interesting book and a really great read. It's probably a a Christian um, top 10, I would would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I read it. It is though. I wondered, when I finally figured out it was not a book, it made a lot more sense. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when it's a manuscript from yeah. a radio. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. a bit of a hard read, but it's really, it's really, really good. good. Yeah, his, all his stuff is really good. I mean, I, everybody knows him from the Chronicles of Narnia, which are great. Yeah. But he wrote some other stuff that's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. All right, well, I think that's enough for today. Thanks, guys. Awesome. See you again real soon. Yep.